This is Megan. This is Alyssa. We are Garbage Girls. Where we shoot the shit. We talk trash. Hello, lovelies. Hello. Hi. Hi. Go. What, you got any recommendations? Um, yes, but I'll hold it for the end because it has to do with today's episode. Oh. Yeah. Well, actually, I guess I can say it. It's, um, in the incident at Devil's Den by Terry J. Lovelace. Very interesting read. Oh, okay. We'll get more into it in a little while, though. Ha, ha, ha. Mine is, uh, I'm reading a book my sister recommended and let me borrow called Mexican Gothic. Ooh. Takes place in the 1950s. It's about a very spunky young lady, and that's all I know so far, because I'm two chapters in. But so far, it's really, really good. So I already feel like I'm going to recommend it. There you go. So I'm already going to throw it out there. I'm trying to think if I'm... Other than that, I've been watching a lot of Dateline. (laughs) (laughs) We're getting to that age, man. Bitch, I've been that age. I've been watching Dateline since I was a child. Oh, no. We watched Dateline and 48 Hours, and... I'm Barbara Walters, and this is oh, 2020. <laughs> I've been going back through and playing Fallout 3, um, so I haven't been watching much of anything. And when I'm not playing, I'm I've read that I read that book. So one of my favorite things to do, and this will surprise you quite a bit. Will it though? Yeah, no, not at all. That was sarcasm. Sarcasm? Sarcastic. Sarcasm. <laughs> Sarcasm. Uh, I go across the wasteland and post-apocalyptia and collect every teddy bear I can find and then go to my home in Megaton and put the teddy bears in my bed. And so every day I have a little a little update of how many teddy bears are, are there. <laughs> shocking. I, I know. I know. It is shocking. Shock and awe. That is also sarcasm. It people. is sarcasm. <laughs> Casey, you were curious about how to pronounce that word. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I have a thing that made me say no. Things that make me say no. Who knew? I do. What you got here? I had I had to look up this. It's it's very popular on TikTok, and somebody sent this to me, and I'm like, mm, I want to burn my eyes out. I think it was actually Jacoby who sent it to Jacoby. me. Jacoby. Um, but it is a walking stick insect that is uh, in the family of the phasmatidae. What'd you call me? Phasmatidae. Fantastic today. It's in fucking <laughs> Australia, which is going to be no surprise when I show you said video. But it looks like a face hugger. No. No. No, I don't like that. So it's been captured as, or been called as, uh, or been called the the creature from hell. Oh, that's funny. That's what my husband calls me. Oh, no. No. That gives me chill bumps. I'll never feel safe again. I I don't know how people, like, the way it's moving. Uh I don't like it. Supposedly an herbivore and uh, not venomous, and I don't give a shit. That's the stuff of nightmares. I don't care how harmless it is. Get out of my house. Yeah, dude. Like, I'll leave you-, you alone if you're outside. We can go our separate ways. 
But if you cross into my threshold, you're gonna die. Well, here's the thing: is you already have a threat of random butthole snake attacks just by going to the potty, and giant lizards and fucking spiders the size of Antarctica. It's like God, the universe, whatever the hell you believe in or don't believe in. That's where all the rejects went. It's like, hey, we're gonna send our criminals there, but also. All the other crap. Now I know why they sent all the criminals there. Like, that's terrifying. And you're in living hell. Like, no, thank you. Like, I'm sure it's lovely. And men from Australia are very attractive with their, their accents. I no. I'm actually not a huge fan of the accent. I think it's cute. I think it would get really old. And I'd be like, shut up. You're saying words incorrectly. <laughs> you're wrong. You're wrong for the way you talk. My dogs make me say no. Mm. Having having uh, a foster kitten makes me say no, mm. because I feel like it's just like a never-ending cycle of cleaning up shit and getting injured. I have a bruised large toe right mm-hmm. now because mm-hmm. of the large boy dog stepped on my foot, and I'm bruised. And then I got little scratches all over my teats because the cat likes to climb on my chest, and she screeches me. Your animals is assholes. It's true. I need... I need to, I don't know what I need to do. I need someone to adopt this kitten. And we decided we're taking her on vacation. Mm-hmm. Well, Gunner needs her. That's precisely why she's going on vacation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your husband is soft. He's soft. He's getting soft. Mm-hmm. I'm need him to get hard. Yeah. Real, real hard. Rock hard. <laughs> Dude, it amazes me every time we do this. The this segment of the things that make you say no because you would think that given our personalities we would have an abundance of things and maybe that's the problem maybe maybe we're just so used to saying no to things that it's just second nature and we don't even think about them. Well, I think it's maybe there. Yeah, to your point. Yeah, I think there's just so much that makes me say nope. That's like something I would talk about every single day, like stupid people, people who literally, when you say a thing, they repeat it back to you. Like if you're like, Hey, yeah, I I need this done by X time. And they're like, you need this done by X time. Yeah. That's what I just said. Why are you repeating it back to me? You fucking asshole. And it's like stuff that, that shouldn't make me as mad as it does, but it does. Well, this is a little fun little interview tip for you. And just, in general, but repeating the question before you answer it makes you look dumb. Also is one of the things that indicates that whatever you're about to say is a lie. Oh, really? Yeah. Like that's one of, I watched this thing about like, it's on Netflix. It's something about like FBI and uh, 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 what is it called? Um, Interrogation tactic Mm. crap and like how to tell people are lying. Anyway, even though there's been a lot of studies out there that say that even like the most seasoned behavioral analysts and everything, there's still not like concrete things that actually give away that somebody's lying. It's just a lot of speculation. Yeah. But one of the speculations is that if you say, where were you last night? And the person says, where was I last night? Um, It's you're buying yourself time. Yeah. So anytime somebody also repeats something back to me like that, I'm like, you're about to tell me a lie, you son of a you bitch. lying ass bitch. You son of a bitch. Yeah, it just, and, and it is a, it, and that's why they say it like it, 
makes you look less intelligent because it's an obvious time buying tactic. In fact, they say it makes you look less intelligent than if you were to say, hmm, let me think about that. Also, Republicans. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, child molesters. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff that makes me say no. Mm, yeah, yeah. But I feel like we have to say something like clever and maybe not quite as obvious that yeah. would make us say no. Well, because a lot of people say no to that kind of stuff. I, one would hope. Well, well, to the pedophilia. I will say, go and, I mean, Google it maybe if you want to be miserable. But one mm. of the things I find particularly interesting that I have read about as of late is that there is kind of an upwards trend in far right white nationalists being caught with child pern. Um, I for one am shocked. So there's kind of a thought. Sarcasm. Yeah. Sarcasm. So there's kind of a thought of they are that population disproportionately has their laptops and cell phones searched because of threats of like homeland terrorism and things Mm -hmm. like that. So there's a disproportionate amount of those men having their electronic search versus, you know, some other grouping of men. So it's like, is it only high because of that disproportionate amount? And actually that's a pretty accurate account of any male population. Are there just that many people into that? Or is it truly trending in that population? And some argue that it is trending in that population because one of they've had people that have left these very far right, like neo-Nazi organizations. And they basically, one of their indoctrination tactics is they desensitize you to really awful shit. And it becomes one of those things where it's like somebody makes a joke about it. And then kind of gauges your reaction. And then Mm. it like doesn't become a joke. And then it's like real. And that that's how they build you into this like disgusting human being. And also get you to a point where you have done said or provided something that if you leave or you go against the brotherhood, you it's kind of a secret society shit. Like, Oh, well we have all this on you. So maybe shut your mouth. Yeah. Dude. So I don't think that it is limited because I will say as a woman that is four eleven, the biggest attraction for men, not my awesome rock and rack, not my big old juicy booty. It's my height. But I don't even think that that's, I think if it's a combination of that and also like wanting you to have a hairless snatch, sure. Mm-hmm. But the more and more I read about misogyny and internalized misogyny in women is it's in line with a man's need to feel powerful and dominating. Mm. And it's easier to do that with somebody that's small, but also the internalized misogyny of wanting to be a woman who is treated delicately and things like that. Mm. So I, I think you could argue either way. That's fair. I literally was just reading something last night about why women like certain types of spicy content but also consider themselves to be like independent and feminists and everything else. And it all kind of comes down to internalized misogyny. Like you feel desired, wanted when you feel controlled and fragile and delicate. 
Weird. And yeah. it's, yeah. So when you kind of deep dive into why certain things make you feel a certain way, like it makes you really depressed and feel gross <laughs> and anti-woman. Well, let's, uh, let's take this control back with my fun fact. Do it. It's about, it's about women and it's, it's phenomenal. Give it to me. So, uh, women in Elizabethan times would place apple slices in their armpits before going to a dance leave them there all evening, and then at the end of the night would present them to the man that she fancied the most as a memento for the occasion. The Austrians in 19th century, big surprise here, took it a step further. Women would do said same, and uh, then would present them to the man, and the man, if he felt the same way about her, would then eat the apple slices. You know, I actually don't think that's that weird, because it's a pheromone thing. Pit apples yeah well so i was telling a couple of people and i wanted to save this for you because this is my new favorite thing pit apples like it's hilarious to me so i was asking a friend i was like i was like yeah man i'm gonna give you some pit apples and he was just like i'd rather eat vomit apples than pit apples and i was like really and so it got into this debate and i was like why would you rather know you'd rather eat vomit than an apple that's been under someone's armpit no like if you vomited on said apple and presented it to it like he would rather eat vomit vomited on apples than pit apples. That's just that's and I was no. like, that's a difficult one for me. And I was like, but I would definitely rather eat pit apples than foot apples. And then it was this whole debate. I'm like, okay, but are the apples staying in your shoe? And I'm like, well, of course the apples have to stay in your shoe. I think it's really stupid that he would rather eat a, an apple covered in vomit mm-hmm. than an apple that's been under an armpit. I would literally rather eat an apple that's been under the nastiest person's armpit then somebody barf chunkies on an apple and then me eat it are you he's just wrong you're wrong but also i do i do get the armpit thing because there's this thing called vabbing Mm -hmm. where ladies take their juices (laughs) and use it as perfume and there's this thought that uh that you attract men that way well that but also, that's I, not surprising. It's but that's the same as a pit apple, really. It's just <coughs> I don't know because some people's fucking pits be smelling like onions and gravy. My snatch ain't never smelled like onions and gravy. Now my armpits don't smell like onions and gravy, though. Anyway, that's well, either way. That's gross. Yeah, and also I don't I don't want to put fruit under my arms. See, when I first started reading the article about it and. I thought, oh, that's the way, like, they didn't have deodorant, so they just put yeah. apples under there, and maybe it, like, soaked up the gross smell and made you smell a little bit more like apples. That That is one of the things that they tell you that to keep, like, cookies and baked goods moist is you slice up an apple and put mm-hmm. it in the container, so. But then it would, I guess it would keep your armpits moist, and that's not what you want. Oh, those apples going to be slick when they come out from underneath your pitties. <laughs> Gross. That does open up. That's a good segue into uh, some 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 questions. Questions I want to ask. Okay. Okay. So, and some of these are some of these are funny. You can cut out whichever ones you don't like, but uh, some of these are just like. Hmm. So if you if if it turned out your entire life was a dream, would you want to know? Okay. So if I say yes, then I'm just continuing to exist in a dream, knowing all of it's not real. That'd probably make life really fun. Mm-hmm. But if I don't want to know, I don't think I'd want to know. Interesting. Yeah. 
I would. I think it would do such, if I'm, I'm not thinking about it in a silly way. I'm thinking like seriously, I think it would so severely end up fucking you up knowing that everything is unreal that you wouldn't be able to enjoy anything anymore. It would be just like a huge existential crisis. Yeah. So that's why I say no. I say yes, because I think the rules change. You just go mad. Maybe, but like, maybe you're, you're, you know, they say you only use 10% of your brain at one, get, at one time, you know? And so like, okay, you think, okay, I'm only using 10% of my brain, but maybe the rules change and maybe like, I'm a fucking god now, <laughs> like the power would go to my head. Maybe I can be I think like, that's making a lot of assumptions of how it would turn out. Well, certainly. But, you know, I mean, who knows how it would turn out? Your life is a dream. You don't, I mean, like, it could be any number of things. I would, I would go too far because I would go, okay, whose dream is this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's when you go mad and can't enjoy anything. So I'm going to say no. Okay, okay. Don't, don't want to know. If Jurassic Park was a real place, would you want to visit? Thousand percent. Awesome, me too. Even, even knowing you would nature die finds a way. Yeah. But if Jeff Goldblum is there, oh. I'll die a happy lady mm. if he touches my hand like, explaining whatever he was explaining in that movie um yes and actually as a kid when i would watch jurassic park it was one of those things it's same as me being a fat kid watching willy wonka and the chocolate factory mm. oh, or man. charlie and the chocolate factory whatever yes. the fuck, is i was so mad that it wasn't happening for real yeah like i really would go to fucking jurassic park what was your favorite edible in in charlie the mushrooms Fun. Mine were the buttercups, like the tea with the buttercups. Like, so the reason why I didn't like those is because I felt like it would taste like those little plasticky, um, little. Uh, they were really big in like the eighties and nineties. They were the little wax things with the soda. Yes, in. yeah. And I then, as an adult, later read that those actually weren't edible, and that they were plastic, and that was like he wasn't expecting that. Huh. Um, Explaining crunch. But the mushrooms with the cream, mm-hmm. it, I was like, that's marshmallow cream. Oh, yeah. I, I, want, I want in on that. Yeah. But also, I, I think in the scenario, I would be Augustus Gloop and mm. I would fall into the chocolate river. Yeah, dude. Um, I, I feel like they didn't have enough chocolate happening in that edible that's area. True. And I also remember being really mad as a fat kid, too, because I was like, they're not spending uh nearly enough time here no and and the chocolate was not nearly thick enough in that river no that was chocolate water mm, mm-hmm. it needed to be thick and creamy mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i that that's looking back as an as an adult that's when i'm like oh you were you had food issues as a kid mm. i'm a little fat Alyssa sitting there in front of the tv like i go to the chocolate factory who didn't though but i think i got like i was like mad mad what kind of life am i leading my parents suck because i'm not living in a chocolate factory uh-huh. and i don't have grandparents that sleep in the same bed with my other grandparents <laughs> cheer up charlie oh god i hated that song so much like that kid annoyed the shit out of me mm-hmm. he became a veterinarian huh I also look back and go, is this English or not? Charlie has an is American, mm. but when you look at 
where he is, mm-hmm. it's England mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. So I think I grew up thinking it was England. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, as an adult, I was like, but nobody, they don't, they don't have English accents. So what the hell is going on here? Why does everybody seem English, but they have American accents? That is, now I want to have to find out where it was going. Um, and even as a kid, I found it very strange that neither set of grandparents could walk and they were sharing a bed. Yeah. Like, well, why? His mom did laundry for a living. I mean, come on now. But like, I'd sleep on the floor. And why couldn't any of them walk? Except old grandpa, he just decided finally, I guess I'll try. And then he could walk. Yeah, he's the bad guy of the whole film. And I'd be like, dad, you mean this whole time you could have gotten off your old fat ass and been working? Well, it's a miracle. No. Well, chocolate. It's chocolate miracle. Dumb motherfuckers. Anyway. Yeah. Next. Okay. If you could put wings on any wingless animal, which one would you choose? (laughs) Um, just for the sheer comedy, a bear oh. or like a moose, <laughs> just like something that would be like really terrifying. Mm. <laughs> like imagine a flying bear. You're just like walking outside and you're like, oh shit, it's a bear. It's a bear. I will never not imagine a flying bear now. And it's like flapping its wings, just being a bear being like, <laughs> like swooping down. <laughs> Is that a honeypot? <laughs> I think a sloth. Because hey. yeah, it would just be like <laughs> kind of like me. You know, just have, uh, and just imagine these tiny little wings, and uh, like they move like hummingbird wings, like mm-hmm. super fast. And it's just like it's kind of like well, I'm gonna just go over here. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty awesome, or like a rhinoceros. <laughs> <laughs> but and every animal, like as I was thinking about this, I was. Every animal I imagine had these tiny little bumblebee wings. Like they were just these tiny little, like me, like it was cartoonish. And I was just like, why wouldn't they have majestic wings? Like you'd see on like a Pegasus or something. But yeah, I don't know. Just a just a little sloth. Just Maybe like out. an otter. That would. I know. Also a horse. Let's make unicorns one step closer to being real. Right, right, right. Do unicorns have wings? Do we? Do, do they? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. A pe- or is that a no, Pegasus? Pegasus has wings. Unicorns. I don't know. I guess that's op- open for interpretation. You know, do you want your unicorn to have wings? Well, we already know what a dog with wings looks like because never ending story. I don't want to talk about it. We, we can't talk about that. Next. You're offered a job that pays 2000 a week. You have to sit in a room all alone in the dark. In total silence, and remove unknown items from a box and place them on a conveyor belt. Would you take that job? No. Why not? Because I am too much of a control freak, and I would not be able to function not knowing what I'm touching and what I could be contributing to. Mm. Like, it could be child porn it could be dead puppies like it could be any number of things not knowing couldn't do it see i think i would take that job initially and be like yeah that sounds great and then eventually i would lose my mind because i'd be like what is in here what am i touching what is something i touch that harms me 
what if I like slowly die? Like, but if you were to leave out that part and just say you get to be in a room all alone in the dark and that was your job, I was like, yes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yes, that's that's what we call nap time. Was that what, was that the last question? I have some more, but oh yeah, this one. You're informed that your house and all your possessions will be destroyed by an upcoming storm. Which three items that are not people or animals will you choose to save? I have, well, this may be considered cheating, but I have a box that has, so if we can consider the box one object, yes, that box has photo albums and memory cards and like, I literally think it's labeled Alyssa's memory stuff or something. But it has my childhood journals and special cards that I, I I usually throw away birthday cards, but there are some cards that I kept for different reasons. So it would be something like that. And I would, there's a jewelry box that I have that was my mom's mom's. And so I would take that and, I mean, as simple as it sounds, probably my laptop. Mm-hmm. Um because it has so much on it. Yeah. Well, no, I take that back. Everything is hosted somewhere or on a thumb drive in said memory box. So I don't I don't know about that third one. There's a lot of books that I would want to grab because obviously you can replicate a book, but the book has like that particular copy has something important about it. Mhm. And photographs can be duplicated. Like every every photograph I have other than what's in that box has been scanned. So that could be reprinted. So anything that's like sentimental like that, anything super sentimental is in that box. Yeah. So I think I kind of cover it with that box for the most part. What about you? I would take my teddy bear that my mamma gave me when I was born. Mr. Bear. Mr. Barely. Mr. Barely. Yeah. 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 And, um... Yeah, I mean, almost. I don't have a whole lot of sentimental stuff from childhood or really anything. So probably my spinning wheel, and uh, yeah, my my knitting stuff. I and mean, like, I can replace all that shit anyway. So, but if I had it just off the top of my head, like grab stuff. Honestly, if I had, to, I would grab my bear, Darcy's bear, and dog for parent. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. I have two short little funny stories. The title is Troy Pool Closed After Incident. Local couple arrested. So this happened in Troy, Missouri. The Troy swimming pool was evacuated and closed abruptly midday today after an intoxicated couple fouled the water. Briley, your parents suck, and Dustin Pounds are each being held on $2,500 bond at Troy PD, according to Sergeant Dick Decent. Good. All of your pay- Like, what are y'all doing, guys? Why are you naming your kids these things? The pool was packed when the two stripped naked and entered. He yelled, Cleveland steamer! <laughs> and she just reclined on the steps like they do this frequently. Then he sits on her chest while everyone is scrambling out of the pool and starts crapping. Damnedest, damnedest thing I have ever seen. And that was the the uh, <laughs> Sergeant Dick Decent. A Parks Department official said he does not know when the pool will reopen. Reportedly, three employees quit when instructed <laughs> to clean up. Yes. And uh, this is the couple. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Checks out? 
Yeah. So that's one. Oh my God. And then this one. I love this one so much. So a Kokomo man is facing charges after police say he farted in a <laughs> farted in a customer's taco at a local Taco Bell. <laughs> Chris Strutton, age 22, of Kokomo, Indiana, is facing a simple battery charge after another employee called the cops on him after witnessing him take a taco in the freezer area and letting off several farts on the Supreme Taco. <laughs> Strutton, who was the cashier at Taco Bell on Markland, claims the customer was being very rude to him and cursing at him for getting his order wrong. Quote, this guy wouldn't stop belittling me for getting his order wrong. He called me several curse words and then I said I and then said I had to be the dumbest person to work fast food. His words were really hurtful, so I took his Taco Supreme in the freezer and gave a couple of butt burps. <laughs> I know it was wrong, but people need to realize there's consequences for their actions. Agreed. A manager at the Taco Bell says Strutton was immediately fired upon being arrested. But his mugshot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I uh, I just thought, man. You know, though, like, really, like, you're going to. I think that's a little too much. Calling the cops and being charged over farting. Yeah. Like, like was, did he drop trowel or did he just put it near his butt and fart? I mean, either way, I don't think I'd narc. I wouldn't call the cops. I would, I'd probably tell the manager, like, hey, homeboy over here is farting in people's tacos, but I, I'm not calling the law on some young dude farting in tacos. Dude, yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I agree with his statement. Sometimes people need to realize there are consequences to your actions. Well, and that's Be the other nice. part of why I wouldn't call the cops is, you know, okay. So where I would probably call the cops, maybe. Is that whole thing that was like popular for a while where people were opening the ice cream cartons and licking it and putting it back? Yeah. You are the worst. Yeah, that's gross. Because you're doing shit to people who didn't do anything to you. Yeah. I'm going to assume if someone's farting in a taco at a fast food place, that person probably in one way, shape or form, I don't want to say definitely deserved it, but they probably did something to provoke a reaction. I don't know anybody who would just be like, I'm going to go fart in tacos for no reason. I know a couple of people. <laughs> but that being said, like, just be nice to, to people working in customer service or restaurants or fast food joints. Like, don't be wrong. It's annoying as shit sometimes when it's like, man, dude. In general, the rule is if somebody is serving you in any capacity, be kind. Yeah. Because... Otherwise, you might get a fart taco. I hope you do. I do not show any form of disrespect to anybody who is touching, handling, even breathing near my food. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean. Yeah, it's dumb. It's, are you, like, when, I won't even send food back if it's wrong. Yeah. Well, even in a nice way. Because <laughs> well, I'm scared. Here's the thing. As a server, old server, you know, like, the. If you're nice about it, like, hey, I'm so sorry, but, like, this is this is not what I ordered. Would you mind, you know? But also, if you're rude, I'm going to tell the cooks that you're rude and what they happen to do. <laughs> well, and I think I would under... If somebody had brought me an order that was so wrong that I couldn't eat it, like, if I had an allergy, that's one thing. Mm. But it's like, if I can pick off the onions... Yeah. I think it's a sense of entitlement people have. It's like, are you really so cocksure that you think that being a total cunt is not going to have any repercussions? Like, 
Yeah, you do. And then you get a fucking fart taco. Mm-hmm. And you deserve it. And I hope you mm. get fucking a sore throat from the poop particles. All right. Tell well, me about your shit. Move Not literally. Right along. So uh, today we're going to talk about a little thing called the incident in Devil's Den. Ooh, that's what I call it when I take a really, really nasty dump. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. That's fair. That's what I'm going to call my snatch from now on. Devil's Den. It's just a sultry place of sin and humidity. Decadence. <laughs> <laughs> we were both going in very opposite directions there. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> so our, our story is surrounding two guys. we got Terry Lovelace and Toby. Toby is just the friend, but uh, Terry. Terry. Tara. Have you ever seen that video of the guy with the in the wheelchair lighting off fireworks? <laughs> yes. Terry, what are you doing, Terry? <laughs> Terry, move. Sorry. No, no, you're good. So, Terry Lovelace uh, was born in St. Louis, Illinois, and stayed there until he joined the U.S. Air Force in 1972 after great, great, great. There's a St. Louis, Illinois? Yeah, apparently. Weird. Yeah. And um, graduating high school in the Vietnam War was kind of winding down um he joined as a conscientious ex- objector and trained as a medic and emt and he did that for about six years so in 1977 he and his buddy toby decided they wanted to go camping just out of the blue both of them were city boys neither of them had ever actually been camping and they were like but sounds good yeah toby was like hey man let's go camping and terry's like no That'd be me. And he's like, no, no, no. Why do you think we'd be good at this? That's like, outside. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm an inside guy. Well, he's like, why do you think we'd be, we've never done it before? Like, wh- why? Why do you think we would? Why, why start now? Yeah. So Toby was like, dude, bro, like, we it can't go in one with nature, Terry. Yeah, like it, it can't be that hard. That's what she said. Yeah. And uh, let me guess, Toby was wrong. Toby was wrong. And Terry knows what's up. Terry about to find out what's up. Terry, Terry and Toby gonna learn today. They gonna learn today. So, uh, they were stationed at Whiteman Air Force Base. And I'm like, all right, cool, cool. There's like, you know, a ton of state parks around, like within a 45 mi- uh, minute, you know, distance from them. And they're like, no, no, no. What we're going to do is drive six and a half hours away to Devil's Den, Arkansas. Okay. And the reason for this, so Toby was kind of an amateur astronomer and Terry was really getting into photographing wildlife. So he had this really nice camera and he's like, look, man, there's like bald eagles there. There's all kinds of stuff there. It's, it's really good for wildlife. It's part of a nature, it's attached to a nature reserve and they have really high altitudes to where you can get really good shots of the eagles. So he's like, you know what? Screw it. Let's go. Toby's like, I can see the stars, man. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, they go. And uh, so the guys packed up Terry's old car with an assortment of things just kind of tossed in the trunk willy nilly. They're like, hey, like, so Terry forgets his camera on the kitchen counter and doesn't find out till about six hours into the six and a half hour trip. That's literally what you were going to do. Yeah. 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 Literally. Um. Toby was the one that was supposed to pack the ice chest and things like that. They managed to make it out with hot dogs and a couple of sandwiches. Yeah, these, I don't know 
They are dumb men. They, yeah, they are not smart men. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, the car had no air conditioning because, of course, this was the late seventies, and Terry's car was from it was a mid to late sixties uh, Chevy Impala. I would not do well in the previous years. No, 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 no. In the, in the way back when, so um, because his his car was you know sixties era. Uh, FM radio wasn't really standard in cars in the 60s in America. And uh, so when they started crossing the Ozark Mountains, there was like the farm report. So they just like turned it off and were like, cool, cool, cool. We're just going to we're just going to drive. So they finally, finally make it to this this park. And they're like, you know what we're not going to do? We're not going to go in the right way. We're going to go into the nature reserve part. And uh This is why women live longer. Yeah, yeah. Guys are y'all are dumb. So they they drive to the back of this park and find a fence with a chain and lock uh padlock on it and because it's just looped and it's just like not locked. Oh it's 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 looped and locked, but it's it's locked in just a straight loop that you could oh lift over oh, wow. a post. I mean this is like the seventies. Then they're like, hey, no trespassing. I mean it, y'all. Don't do don't it. Don't you do it. And they were like, you know what we're going to do, though? We're going to do that. So I'm Terry, he's Toby. We like to trespass. <laughs> so Toby gets out and he loops, you know, that, that thing over and Terry drives through. He gets back in the car and they follow this the, the road down as much as they can. It turns from paved to gravel to dirt road. And finally, they just they stop and they go. They start hiking. They just start going down this trail. Luckily, Toby's like, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a, a good, like, map. I'm going to take this little map and I'm going to, you know, draw it out and have very detailed so we can get back. Because it sure. Was, mm-hmm. sure, sure, sure. And so it was, like, windy and loopy and stuff. And they hike up until they get to, like, the highest point they can reach, basically. And it's like this gorgeous meadow like at the top of this this area you know it's the highest part of the whole the whole thing and it's like blue and white flowers and the grass is like knee high and they're like this is the perfect spot for snakes yeah so instead of immediately making camp as toby suggested way to go toby terry's like how about we go explore first they don't get got so they go exploring and they walk about five miles until they they get to this limestone cliff and they're looking out and they're like oh there's some freshwater like creeks down there let's go down there this is why i don't go outside yeah yeah so they go down there and they're hanging out and they're like oh let's just take a break just sit back relax drink some water so they they sit back and both of them fall asleep for about four hours just i mean just immediately just like could have set up camp could have done that and then slept in a tent like a normal person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But Cause, not because because you were already exploring by hiking. So they wake up. Shit's like starting to get dark and they're panicked. They are like, Whoa, I don't even remember how to get out of here because they. Where's Toby's map that he was drawing? Well, Toby, Toby left the map in the car in the glove box. <laughs> They did not bring a compass. They did not bring any extra water than what they already had. And um, eventually they made it back because, thank God, Toby is 
just a natural born navigator or, you know, uh, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they get back and they turn on the, the Impala's headlights and, and they're setting up camp finally in twilight, barely able to see. And uh, are burn you, their. Are you Team Terry or Team Toby? I'm Team Toby. <laughs> He he's the one that you know. He he knew what was up. So they get back and they they blow up their mattresses. They get the tent set up and everything. Terry burns the hot dogs. Fucking Terry. <laughs> fucking, fucking Terry burns the hot dogs. But it's cool. So they're hanging out. They eat their their burnt ass hot dogs and their smushed buns and uh, drinking on some jug water that they got. And uh, they're just looking up at the night sky, having a good time. Terry is really pissed off that, um, you know, he he's forgotten his camera. Oh, he's just mad that he's stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And Toby's like looking up and he's like, man, were those lights there before? And Terry's like, huh, no, no, no. And they're, they don't think anything really much about it until Terry notices that there are no crickets chirping, no frogs, no signs or sounds of wildlife anywhere. It's just eerily quiet. Yeah, some strange is afoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Toby's like, look, it's just because we've been making a ruckus, you know, we've got this bonfire and shit, like, they'll be back. Toby, you don't know anything. <laughs> stick stick to your stargazing homes. The the crickets don't give a shit. Crickets will little, literally cricket right next to you. <laughs> they don't care. Yeah. So, uh, that's when they notice that the, these, these three stars start, start moving. Those aren't stars. They're not stars. And that's what Toby says. He's like, you know... I'm an amateur astronomer. I don't know every star in the night sky, but I do know a peculiar constellation when I see them, and I don't think those are stars. That is not the Little Dipper. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, um, you know, Terry's like, yeah, I think you're right, but he was freaked out because he's sitting here staring at this tree, and the tree is just there. It's kind of illuminated by the bonfire, but no leaves are moving. And he's like, it was like staring at a hologram. I feel like they drank some contaminated jug water. Some, <laughs> some of that creek water. <laughs> uh, or they had that wacky tobacco or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, both of them were just kind of, they had their, their, you know, they were laying out on their, their air mattresses under the night sky, noticing the, the not moving leaves and, and these not stars. And um and they noticed they started getting closer. They started like rotating and getting closer. I mean, but these these three lights were equidistant apart in a like a tight triangle shape. But then they noticed like it had to be I mean y'all have to read the book because it's it's amazing how slow they were on the uptake on this. I don't know if it's that like you said that wacky tobacco or what. But um the the triangle shape inside of these three points was blacking out the night sky behind it. Should have been a red flag. Apparently wasn't until it got right up on them. <laughs> and they were like, hey, okay. guys, it's an object. What are you doing? Yeah. Why are you so like, stupid? So they're sitting here watching this thing for a couple of hours, you know. And Go home. Yeah. Run away. Get in your car. Go home. Yeah. 
So, um, so they, they, they both notice this as they're watching these lights and as they're seeing this object get closer and blocking out the stars behind it, they start noticing like just how drowsy they are. And Terry was like, you know, we were air force, the best shape of our lives, young men, you know, in our mid twenties. And yeah, we had a six hour car drive. Yes. We had a five mile hike, but we also napped for four hours and they were like out. It wasn't just like a, Oh, I'm going to doze. They were out and had very deep deep sleep naps yeah that i already thought that was weird yeah so they're like we shouldn't be as drowsy as we are right now we've been relaxing like and he said it was you know there's that difference between being tired and being sleepy and that's what it was they were just like sedated almost Mm -hmm. and the alien gave them that ghb Mm -hmm. So, again, they're watching. It's getting bigger. It's getting closer. They finally have realized it is a solid object, one object. And they're just like, man. But uh, complete apathy. They're not scared. They're not upset. They're not, I mean, they're not really feeling much any of, of any emotion other than like a pleasant, sedate, sedated feeling. And uh, so, finally, it gets close enough to him. And it's like right over him. And it's, he said that the points or the the spaces in between the the three points were equivalent to about the size of a city block, which is about 300 feet across. So um, Toby was like, you know, it'd be a great idea. I'm going to grab my flashlight and signal. So he grabs his flashlight and flashes it three times. And a beam of white light comes out of the bottom center of this triangle it's not a good sign, Toby. About the size of a softball. You told him we were there, Toby. You dumb, Toby. It was not a friendly humanoid aircraft. Why'd you do it, Toby? You shouldn't have did it, Toby. Fucking Toby. Damn it, Toby. So, um, this, this softball size, like, white beam, like, gets on their, their campfire, which is about eight, eight feet from where they were. And it, he saw like it was it was very bright. It, it was as bright as a light you would use if you were searching in a fog. You know, it could cut through that and very high powered. And about after 30 seconds, that white light was uh, disappeared and it was replaced with a tiny little blue light about the diameter of a pencil. And it didn't move. It would just blink onto different parts of the campsite and focus on it. And he distinctly, Terry distinctly remembers it stopping on him and then stopping on Toby a couple of times in the space of about one to two minutes where it then disappeared again. No, I don't like it. Yeah. So they're both still there, still just feeling like this is cool. No, it's not. Get away. And, uh, so the last words they kind of spoke to each other in the evening were, were said by Toby where he goes, show's over. And so they grab their air mattresses and go back in. Like, and it's not that this thing has left. It's just the lights went off. And they decided to go back into the tent with their air mattresses and go to sleep. So they Again, pass out. This is, this is why women live longer. Yeah. So they pass out in their tent. And Terry wakes up because of some lights and a low hum. 
And uh, he was thirsty when he woke up, scared shitless, that apathy, that emotionlessness that he was feeling, totally gone. And the lights were so bright that it looked like there was an overhead light in the tent itself. And it was casting shadows behind the tent. And, I mean, they're both freaked out. So he looks over. Terry's on, or excuse me, Toby is crouched down you know, and looking out of this like little two inch wide gap in, in the tent flap and is just shaking uncontrollably, just like look like he was, you know, just hypothermic almost, you know, or I don't think you'd shake when you're you know, whatever, but um, just like he was freezing and just shaking nonstop. And Terry keeps asking him, he's like, man, what's wrong? What's going on? And Toby's like, shut the fuck up, man. They're still out there. And so Terry's like, what, park rangers? Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? But he also, like, knew it wasn't park rangers. He was freaked out. And he was just like, because he was everything hurt. He and, and this thirst, they talk about this thirst a lot. This just unending, unquenchable thirst that they both had. So Terry was like, I'm going to grab the flashlight. And he, Toby knocks it down and saying, like, no. We're not doing it. We're not alerting anybody else. <laughs> we already did presence. that. Yeah, we're not doing it again. So, and he, he's like, "Shut up, dude. Be quiet. They're still out there." Um. Finally, Terry decides to look out of the tent himself, and uh, that craft from the night before still there, but it it was about thirty feet above the the meadow floor and covered. The entirety of the meadow was so huge. That's way too close. <laughs> Please go. Um, and he said it was roughly the height of a five-story building. Oh! Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. So underneath this craft, there were several uh, child-sized figures milling around in groups of two or three. Oh, and so, he, so Tony was like, what are children doing out here? That's you dumb. dumb bitch. It's not children. Yeah. And that's what Toby said. He goes... Those ain't little kids. <laughs> those said, are the grays. He says, they, those aren't human beings, Terry. They took you. They hurt us both. They hurt us, Terry. What? Yeah. And he starts just sobbing uncontrollably. Tobias, what has taken place? Oh, Toby's story takes a real dark turn. Is there booty we, stuff in there? He got booty stuff happening? We're we going to talk about some of this more stuff in, in the next, next episode. But there you go. So... Toby's just like bawling his eyes out and he members he members well then Terry starts getting flashes of images and garbled sounds from the night before and he's like oh oh shit I'm throwing it out there in the universe right now so if any aliens are listening you better make sure you zap my memory I don't want to remember yeah no thanks get rid of that shit yeah so a bright white light again was flowing out of the middle of this the spacecraft, right? And these little not children are being dissolved, and they step into this white light and they just dissolve. It's like the little bank things that go. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he said that this it was like a perfect cylinder of light, and you could it, it looked so solid that like you could almost touch it if you reached out, and. They would just dissolve, and that's what the word he kept using was dissolved, not sucked up. So they, you know, like maybe, Ooh, yeah, 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 it's like a little teleportation light. Yeah, yeah. So 
finally, all these little not children are sucked up into the spaceship and the lights, the three lights on the end again turned white because they'd been flashing like green, yellow, red, you know, they just were changing and they turned white again. It turned in a clockwise, it turned clockwise and then wobbled and then just rose like a hot air balloon. Which, like, speed. we do not have human craft that does that. No. And so they would you know. know because they were in the Air Force. Like, right. <laughs> uh, so Terry began remembering what happened. He recalled a lot of whirring noises, a sense of motion, and then being dissolved into that light as well. Um, and he said that the interior was enormous, that everything was um, white and stainless steel. Which, why do aliens need stainless steel? I'm sure it's probably better. But anyway, the walls were paneled and illuminated from the panels. And he said that there was uh, three saucers parked in this thing and also about 50 to 60 other people. Like humans. Yeah. Human people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm. And... He he stated that he felt a lot of survivor's, survivor's guilt afterward because he'd wonder, like, what happened to these people. But also, I would not want to be one of those people because I know I survived. I don't know if those other people survived. Yeah. Um. So when the craft disappeared, uh, their military training finally kicked in and they're still in the tent. So they leave everything except... Terry grabbed his wallet and keys. Toby grabbed his handy-dandy flashlight, and they jetted it to the the 20 yards to their car. And they just drove. And they're, you know, so any kind of light, though, they were very sensitive to. Their eyes were swollen. Um, so like anyway, their booty hole was, too. Problem. So they make it to a gas station after a couple of hours and go in get the bathroom key and the guy behind the counter is like, Hey, you fellas are right. Like, you got a lot of bug bites, homie. And so Terry goes into the bathroom. Toby's like fetal position in the car can barely open his eyes. So he goes in the bathroom and realizes he's just covered in red spots that, you know, presumably were insect bites, but He's like, I had military grade deet. It was the 1970s. Like, mm-hmm. that shit was poison, but it it was poison and everything, you know? And his eyes were swollen. He was sunburned. um, Like, bad sunburned. And just, again, this thirst, this thirst, this thirst. And, like, their, their features were distorted to, a, like, so swollen they were distorted and you could barely recognize them. So... Finally, Toby gets up, goes in there, and he goes, and he looks even worse than Terry does. So, they get back in the car, make it home somehow, and he he said that something had changed between Terry and Toby um, as they were driving. Like, they didn't talk about anything. It, they just did. And he was like, something happened to where it was never the same again and we'll discuss that more um later on so terry gets to his house 
And his wife is like, oh, you're a day early. And then she's like, oh, shit, homie. Like, what? <laughs> you look a little traumatized. <laughs> yeah. What's with the bug bites? So she gets him in, you know, gets him in a bath, like a cold bath, and gets him just nonstop lemonade, which is not a good idea for somebody who has really bad thirst, but whatever. Um, takes his temperature. He's got 104 fever. And she's like, dude, we need to go. Mm-hmm. To the clinic. So he gets there. And uh, they're like, what? what? Everybody's <laughs> very concerned. And his uh, CEO comes in and he's like, are you okay? You know what's happening? And he's like, oh, I'll be fine. I just, you know, camp and trip and I'll be ready for duty on Tuesday. And he's like, no. And he's like, but we're going to have to file a police, you know, file a report on this. And he's like, yeah, whatever. So he also hears them talking about Tobias. So he knows Toby is there. Mm-hmm. They're doing this examination. He said they photographed every inch of his body, back, front, sideways, in, out, whatever. And all the marks counted up were 124 on his body. He had 124 red marks on his body. Jeez. Um, and his eyes were still very sensitive to the light, so they kept him covered. And then he noticed that a Geiger counter is being run over him. And the doctor turns to his wife and is like, bring everything that he had with him that he brought back Mm-mm. in this bag no i don't and, like where this is going yeah and so she does which they had left most of everything there because they just so she brought back his clothes his shoes things like that that he had worn his wallet his keys and um he was admitted to the hospital for severe dehydration as was toby so He stays there for a couple of days, you know, just trying to recoup and recover. And the last night before he's, he was set to go home, the nurse comes in and she's like, all right, we're going to give you these, this medicine, this pain medicine. And he's like, cool, because I ache all over. And that's when two men in black business suits. Nope. (laughs) It's Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. That's it. Um, a major and a captain. From the Office of Special Investigations, which is <clears> the <throat> juris- jurisdictional arm. Or the X-Files. Mm-hmm. They walk in and they're like, hold off on the pain meds. We need to talk to them. And that's where we're going to wrap this up Bitch, for this week. I, it's going to take everything in me not to continue to look at this in the meantime. And I want to read, do you have a physical book? No, I had bought the Kindle version. Cause, okay. Well, I had done it on Kindle because it, it was I have Kindle Unlimited. And that's how I choose if I like a book enough to actually purchase it. And I will be purchasing this. Because I... There are so many questions I have already. Oh, dude. Yeah. I want to know... Okay, so I, I, I'm i going to tell you my assumptions. Mm-hmm. And then you tell me if I'm right next week. Or yeah. I guess I'll find out next week. Yeah. So I think the... When you talk about the red dots, I think of kind of how they do allergy tests on you, mm-hmm. that they're they're pricks with a syringe. Um, I think there's definitely some sexual element because I think that's why our good old friend Toby is so traumatized. I don't think you would just be traumatized from being having yep. blood drawn, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, abduction in and of itself, but um, I think they're grays and... Those are definitely the men in black. And I'm going to throw something out there and I'm going to say, I think that there's another visitation. 
Well, let me hint at something. So, okay. Terry had admitted that he saw flying saucers as a child, but it was dismissed because obviously it was the, you know, 50s, basically. And they were like, mm, yeah, no. Mm -mm. Um, but there are accounts from his family that are like, yeah, he thought he saw shit like that all the time. And Toby, you know, being huge into astronomy, Terry said that he thinks that this was kind of predestined because it came out of nowhere that they were like, hey, let's go on a camping trip to men that have never camped before, which is not in and of itself unusual. But what Terry said, it was unusual for them. Well, and let's make all these really bad decisions. Yeah. So, yeah, they went with little prep, little like. Well, and what Terry says is it was weird because they had actually been prepping for about six weeks, trying to find out all the things, you know, and this is pre-internet. So they're trying to find out from people like what all you needed for camping. And they're obviously, I mean, they're military guys, so they have. They have outdoor training. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he's like, it was just the weirdest thing. I left my camera. He left food. You know, I mean, it was just all these. Oh, like he definitely left that camera behind for a reason. Yeah. So he's like, it's all these little coincidence things. And he's like, and then something must have happened while we were sitting under that cliff where we passed out for four hours. He's like, because it was clockwork. You know, we both passed out at the same time, woke up at the same time. It's like not one of the other, you know, woke the other up. They just both came out of it at the same time. And he's like. I wonder if that was the case for everybody that was on that craft at the time, you know, that we saw that this was on purpose. But there is so much more. <laughs> and and this and what's funny is, is this is not actually the good part of the story. This is just like the build up, the lead up. And who wrote the book? Terry J. Lovelace. Now, this guy is very was i think he just recently passed away he was actually very well respected he was um an attorney and was also uh later an attorney assistant attorney general in the u.s territory of american samoa and also in the state of vermont and he's also very very he's also very well respected considered very intelligent very kind and this story he didn't immediately publish the story it wasn't until 2012 and this is not going to be too much of a giveaway. Um, so in the 70s, it was kind of a fad mm -hmm. to run as a civilian, right? Most people, like, you would see people running away from stuff or athletes or, you know, um, military. And his dad was like, you're an idiot. Why are you running just to run? Like, who the fuck does that? And that that was the case in the 70s. Jogging, running, things like that. It was a fad. Obviously, it continued. Um, so it wasn't until 2012 cause he had kept up running for like 40 years, you know, well, he went running and he said that there was this numb spot that every time he hit the two mile mark, it would just go numb, but it didn't interfere with his running or his life. It didn't ever, it never hurt him. It would just go numb. Well, one day he woke up, stood up and collapsed because he could not put any pressure on his right leg. So his wife takes him to the VA and they're like, cool, we'll get some x-rays, see what's going on. And so the x-ray tech comes out and she's taken, you know, takes an x-ray from two different points on his leg. And then she comes back and is like, mm, let's do that again. So she does it again. That repeats another two times for a total of eight x-rays. And it turns out she's like, hey, dude, 
did you have a shrapnel injury or were you in a car accident, like a really bad car accident? You got chipped, bitch. Yeah. And he's like, mm, no, I didn't. And that's when he, like, after that whole experience, when he was like, I'm going to release my story. So did he get it taken out? He did partially. So it was about the size of a fingernail, this little metal piece and a wire was actually left behind. So, and he's like, I, he's like, I really didn't see much active duty, like, or, or, you know, I didn't go to Vietnam. Basically. He was like, I didn't see any war Mm -hmm. or any action. It, I was mostly at a base. And so we'll get more into to that because that wasn't, again, that wasn't found until 40 years after the fact. So, hmm. yeah. I don't know what's on that chip. Mm. That little fingernail chip. Mm. Hmm. Well, I'm stoked because that sounds very, very interesting. Yeah. Tara. Are, are they both dead now? Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. That's crazy. Devil's it just dead. gets better. It just gets better. Well, something that doesn't get better mm. is the issue that we're having in this country and in Canada with missing Indigenous women. So our missing Indigenous very young woman is Christy Lynn Pula. She's 10 years old. Four seven hundred pounds with brown eyes and black hair. She was last seen wearing a black and white checkered shirt and sweatpants. She was last seen on Saturday, July fifteenth, twenty twenty three, in Tuba City, Arizona, and she has shoulder length uh, hair. If you've seen Christy Lynn Pula, or if you have any information on her whereabouts, please call the Navajo Police Department, Tuba City District, at nine two eight. Two eight three three one 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 or three one 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 two. Um, we will share her picture on our Instagram at Garbage Girls G R R R L S. Please share it. She's just a baby, and oh. she's so cute. What is wrong with people, man? We need to find her. So please share it. Contact the Navajo Police Department if you know anything. Especially share if you have friends that or acquaintances that live in Tuba City, Arizona or any surrounding cities. And we will continue our spooky journey next week. So you should listen. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay bye. bye.